Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. I got a surprise for you. What's that? Well, I have set up a Patreon page for A Dog's Life. What's that then? Well, Patreon is like a crowdfunding thing, so people who love the show can support us, and it's called A Dog's Life Club. A club? I like the idea of being a club, like a private members club. Well, yes, it's not quite that fancy, but it's, you know, step one to getting there. So there's two tiers. For only £4 a month, you can be an official patron on Tier 1. And if you love A Dog's Life, and I'm guessing you do, or you wouldn't be listening to this now, and you want to help to support us, that's what you can do for just £1 a week. That's £1 per episode. That's, That's less than coffee, less than a newspaper. Or you can join Tier 2, which is Top Dog. Top Dog. (laughs) And with that, for £10 a month, you will get access to all sorts of bonus content. You know that talk you did at the Natural Health Show during the summer? And people have been asking to hear that. Well, if you join Patreon, you will be able to hear that full talk. We'll do some hot takes on some breaking news, the kind of stuff you do at Jeremy Vine. But the best bit is your training course. I know, yes. So, you know, my top tips on various things, isn't it, Mike? Like walking to heel or training your dog to go into uh, their bed on command or a number of all sorts of other things, including even training your dog to walk backwards. Exactly. So once a month, people will get a new lesson to help train their dogs. So, Mike, hang on, though. What if people can't afford to do the Patreon or might not feel it's relevant for them, but they still want to listen to a dog's life? Is it still free? You can still listen to it for free every Sunday on Apple or Spotify or even YouTube now, just like you've been doing now. You don't have to pay. You can follow us and subscribe for free and keep it as it is if that's what you like. But if you'd like to help support us and keep us going, join Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash a dog's life, or you can find the links in the show notes. The link is always in the show notes. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how you're an English toy terrier and you've always lived here in the UK. Well, there are lots of dogs across the world that need humans' help. That's why we're about to jump on Zoom and head over all the way to Thailand to talk to Mike Dower, who bravely set up a charity five years ago called Jai Dogs. We're going to find out what's going on now. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Mike Dower, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thank you, Anna. It's very nice of you to have me on your show. Thank you. Oh, don't be don't be silly. Um, I've been looking forward actually to chatting with you. We just must make listeners aware that you are in sunny Thailand at the moment and making me extremely jealous of the fact you're having a heat wave. I couldn't think of anything more amazing. You're now over in Thailand um, because a few years ago you set up a rescue over there called Jai Dog. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So why? Did this happen and why are you so passionate about helping the street dogs in Thailand? Um, I, I've been to Thailand many times as a tourist. Um, I've been, you know, I've been to the islands down in the south, to Koh Phangan and um, Koh Samui and Koh Samet and seen, I'd seen firsthand, um, you know, what life is like for street dogs in Thailand. You know, some of them have a really tough time. You know, they're, they're in bad condition, they're uh, malnourished, they've got very bad skin conditions or worse, you know, they've got injuries that nobody's helping them with so having seen that you know on on multiple trips I think I just developed the idea that I wanted to get stuck in and do something that was 
kind of would make a real difference to helping the lives of street dogs. You know, in the UK, we're very lucky. We don't have street dogs in the UK. We don't see um, the kind of um, issues that Thailand street dogs face. So it was that, that was it really. It was seeing it firsthand and wanting to, to get stuck in and do something about it. Oh gosh, I can relate. You know, I've been, I've never been to Thailand, but I've been to India three times for yeah. know, quite long periods. And, you know, oh, there was this one mother who had just given birth, well, the puppies were, they were still suckling at probably about four weeks old. They, she had three little puppies. Oh, by the time we left that village, I can't remember where we were now. We'd gone there to see some amazing, amazing Hindu temple. <laughs> And on the East Orissa side coast of India, which isn't as touristy. Um, and um, there was only one puppy left. And I was like to my friend Louise, I've got to take this puppy home. And she's going, Anna, have you gone mad? And I go, no, no, people are doing it. And the passport was 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 not super like it is now. You know, not everyone was traveling abroad with their dog at this time. Um, yeah. But anyway, you know, so I, I hear what you're saying. But nevertheless, Mike, it's quite a big step isn't it to leave london to go and live in thailand i mean I it's, a huge, even, it's a huge yeah. i couldn't even go with leaving step. london to move to buckinghamshire i came back that was too far so thailand <laughs> yeah i mean it is very far i mean you know i will say i am i am by nature quite an adventurous person so i do enjoy traveling i've lived abroad um you know several years of my life i lived in the us and i've traveled a lot so you know it wasn't it wasn't a huge um leap of faith and it was actually the timing was really great because I was working in um, IT for 12 years and, um, you know, my job was coming to an end. I was offered redundancy in that job and everything kind of just fit together at the right time. Um, and, you know, initially my plan was to come and spend a year in Thailand and do lots of research and set up a charity and, you know, do as much as I can that year and then come home. That was what I originally thought I would do. And that was five years ago now. Um, and, of course, once I got here and once I got stuck in, you know, there was no way that I could leave after a year after having rescued so many dogs and become so closely bonded with those dogs that we rescued. Um, you know, there was no way I was going to leave. So what do you think makes Jai Dog different? Um, I think one of the things that makes us different, I mean, obviously, you know, any rescue, dog rescue anywhere in the world is amazing. But I think what makes us a bit different is we have a really, really big piece of land. We call it the farm, affectionately. Um, and it's, you know, a very big, wide open space. And our dogs are allowed to have a lot of freedom. So they're allowed to run and play and express their natural behaviours. We don't keep them kenneled um, all day. Um, they are kenneled at night time just for safety and um, to prevent incidents. But I think that's something that we we really think sets us apart from some of the other rescues is that they do have all of this wide open space. So, you know, I would say most of our rescue dogs are pretty happy. Gosh, yes. Well, you know, I've looked on your website and um, they do look really, really happy, actually. But do you keep them then on the farm? I mean, what what kind of happens? Um, I mean, I'm sure an average day in your day is kind of totally mad. I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall, really. I'd love to come over, actually, and help. Uh, or, I was going to say, fly. even better, I, even better yes. come and visit us. Yeah, that's, that's a much better than being a fly on the wall. Um, yeah. We, we do keep some of them. I mean, what, what we tend to try and do is um, when we pick up sick and injured dogs, we have to assess obviously what's wrong with them and how serious their injuries are. If they've just had a scrape and they've got some you know, small wound that needs to be dealt with or they've got a small skin infection, we can normally put them back on the street because you know in Thailand, there's a, there's a culture of people taking care of dogs. So you'll always have people in the community that will feed the dogs and look out for them. You know, there's, not, there's not a really big problem with abuse and, and cruelty out here. 
So that's that's always the first option is to put the dogs back if we if we've got them better. If if their injuries are a bit more serious and they can't be put back on the street, then um, obviously we'll, we'll we'll rehabilitate them first and get them better. But then we'll offer them a, a place to live with us at the sanctuary here. So at the moment we've got ninety one dogs living at our sanctuary, um, which isn't you know it's not a huge amount. It's manageable. But we don't want to become, you know, a really overcrowded rescue. We would rather, you know, if we can put the dogs back on the street, if it's safe, or we're trying to look for new homes for them as well. You know, try to get them adopted um, in the UK if it's possible or even in Thailand. Well, you know, you've obviously really hit the radar with animal welfare, you know, institutions, agencies around the world for this great work. I mean, I love the idea of 91 dogs. And once you hit 101, there'll have to be a play on 101 Dalmatians, yeah, maybe, course, yeah. you know, it's got to be done. <laughs> we'll, get the, we'll get the social media content ready. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, you know, Battersea Dogs and Cats Home has actually do- donated to you this year because of your great work. Yes, I mean, more than that, actually. So we're now in partnership with Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, um, which that started in January this year. We've been speaking to them for quite a long time and they've been very aware of our work and they've been really supportive. But this year we started a a really, really ambitious five-year project with Battersea. So Battersea are funding our CNVR work. So that's capture, neuter, vaccinate and release. So that's that's our kind of prevention side of our charity. That's our kind of top-down approach to preventing you know, huge amounts of puppies being born into a life of hardship on the streets. So um, just within our first year, with that funding from Battersea, we've sterilised and vaccinated uh, 2,350 dogs in our province. And we've got a really ambitious target to, to, to try to get to 70,000 dogs treated over those over the next, next five years, which, of course, will result in, you know, less dogs on the streets, less fighting between male and female dogs, less road accidents, less injuries, you know, there's so many benefits to the dogs and the communities that they live in as well. Yeah, and that must be part of your work. I mean, it's really good to hear that there isn't sort of some outward abuse amongst the community towards the dogs. But, you know, when I was in India, you know, I did see that, well, I was in a tuk-tuk that hit a dog. And, yeah, I can't repeat what I said (laughs) or did (laughs) you know accidents happen don't they and road accidents as you say particularly it's really it's really common it's probably 60 percent of our rescue intake is from car accidents and it ranges from everything to um you know a, a displaced hip to a fractured leg right through to permanently disabled dogs we've got several dogs living on the farm with us that are permanently disabled and they need to have wheelchairs for the rest of their life. So obviously they stay with us because we can take care of them here. Um, but that is, that's a, a really big problem in Thailand is car accidents. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess helping to educate the community a bit is something that you do a lot of. We do. We do do community outreach and we do educate as we go along. We try to focus, we focus quite a lot on, um, educating around health problems and around um, spotting sickness and injuries in dogs, spotting when dogs are getting unwell and also um, preventing, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of a, an epidemic here with pyometria infections. Right. So um, Thai people, they'll, t- they'll inject female, um, they'll inject human birth control hormones into female dogs when, once they know that they've mated because they try to prevent them from having puppies. And unfortunately, it leads to health problems and they become infected with pyometria infections and it can lead, it can kill them. It can kill them, you know, if they're left untreated. So during our regular CMVR clinics here, our sterilization clinics, we see 
15% of female dogs have these pyometria infections. So we're trying to educate the community as to why you shouldn't use these, these human, you know, human grade birth controls in dogs and why it's dangerous. Um, and also about, you know, just taking better care of dogs in their communities. Yeah, which is also great. You know, it's helping to integrate, I think, you know, and, and to bring joy to people because, you know, dogs do ultimately bring joy, don't they, Mike? I mean, this is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I really believe, you know, at Thailand, people people really do love dogs. You know, they're not they're not mean to them. They're not cruel to them. You know, they can they get frustrated sometimes when they cause issues, you know, when they're, you know, going through the trash and when they're fighting and when there's lots of dog to dog aggression. Of course, those things frustrate them and they annoy them. But generally, I would say that people like having the dogs around. So our project is certainly not trying to remove the dogs from the communities at all in any way, because that's not what people want. Um, we're just trying to make it uh, at a more manageable level and so that people can uh, have an improved relationship with their community dogs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, he must have quite a team of people there to a look after ninety-one dogs. <laughs> yes. I've, I've got two dogs, so that's enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but you must have vets out there because when you are doing sterilisation and everything, um, you know, it, it, you've got a vets there, right? Yeah, we've got we've got two full-time vets now. We've got um, Dr. Stop and Dr. Ton. There are full-time vets, so they're doing sterilisation and vaccinations three days a week. And then outside of that, they're also working on our rescue cases. Um, we receive between 10 and 15 rescue cases a month. Um, so dogs that are coming in with sickness and injuries. So um, there's plenty of work for the vets to do here. And then next year, we're recruiting another two vets because we're going to start um, uh, growing a mobile CNBR team to go out further into the community and you know focus on some of those dogs that are a little bit further away. But in total, we have a team of 12. And that includes our vets, our vet nurses, our shelter wardens. That are, those are taking care of the dogs day to day. So you know, feeding and cleaning and walking and, you know, just giving them lots of TLC and love. Uh, and then also our dog catching team as well. Gosh, gosh. <laughs> so uh, an average day must be pretty, pretty exciting for you. I mean, do you wake up, Mike, every morning thinking, wonder what's going to happen today? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's, the thing is, it's pretty structured. You know, dogs, as, as you well know, being a behaviorist, dogs like routine. Yes, so yes. Dogs really appreciate having a good routine. So we always, you know, we start at 6.30 in the morning. That's when they all get out of their kennels and they're allowed to go run and play um, whilst we're cleaning and, you know, mucking out the kennels, etc. And then feeding time is always about 8 a.m. for their morning feed. Um, and then they get fed again in the afternoon at 5.30. So in between that, we're doing our, our we're running our CNVR clinic. And we're also treating our sick and injured dogs that have come in from rescue. Plus, we're giving special care to some of our disabled dogs that need a bit more one-to-one -one special care. Um, plus, we're doing, you know, any rehabilitation that needs to be done for some of those dogs. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, so yeah, must... it's always a busy day. It's always a busy day. But I know we spoke yeah. last week and it was all quite, you know, kind of stressed because one of the dogs or the girls had just given birth. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a very unusual situation. So... Uh, we'd during our clinic we'd found a female dog that was in distress and she looked like she was very unwell and we realized that she was having difficulty giving birth she was very heavily pregnant so we had to perform an emergency cesarean to remove the six puppies uh, inside and we at first we thought they hadn't they weren't going to survive but actually miraculously all six of them survived which oh, was that's you know, great news that's great really, news it was brilliant you know and we were all we were all kind of all gathered around the vet's table, you know, shaking, shaking the puppies to try and 
revive them after they've been born and rubbing them to get them breathing. So it was all very exciting. Um, and, you know, it, it can go it can go the other way sometimes. Sometimes they don't survive, which is very sad. But this time, you know, all six of them are, are well. And, you know, also very luckily, the owner of the female dog who bought the dog to the clinic is actually going to keep those puppies and she's going to she's going to raise them, which is brilliant because obviously um, they'll, they'll live in the community with their other dogs. Uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on them. We'll give them the vaccinations when the time is right and we'll make sure that they're healthy. Yes. Oh, that's such good news, though. How sweet. Yeah, we were very happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Because I suppose, I mean, you must have rabies out there. Yes, we do. I mean, it's it's not, it's not, it doesn't happen very often, to be honest. We've only had uh, a couple of reported cases in the area that we are. Um, It's few and far between. Um, The the government is actually pretty good at their rabies uh, vaccination program. So, yeah, we've only seen a couple of cases. And it's always a little bit stressful when it happens, obviously, in the partner of livestock get very stressed about it but um yeah it's not it's not a huge problem like it is in some other countries well that's good that's a massive relief isn't it really because i mean it is the only thing that definitely will kill you man or beast absolutely you know, so. yeah and we have to be very careful with our staff as well you know all our staff have to have their rabies shots and then right if any if anyone gets bitten by a dog that's not one of our dogs they have to go straight to the hospital and have post-exposure vaccination shots even you know even if it's the slightest chance that's you know the dog might have rabies we just we just don't take any chances with that no you well you can't I mean it's um it's something we're blessed you know in the UK not to have and long may that continue although there's rumors you know with all of the dogs being imported from overseas you know puppy farm pups that you know it may it may come in you know um because so many are smuggled without being caught at customs you know illegally brought in so yeah well the cust- the customs restrictions are pretty tight aren't they but yeah you're right if it's happening illegally then there's always that risk and that would be it would be a, you know a horrible disaster if it did happen well, it would, yeah, it would, it would, it would. It's a serious thing. But um, so, you know, if you're looking for adopters, Mike, you mentioned earlier that you're hoping to be able to let people in the UK be honoured to have one of your dogs. Is it a complicated process talking, you know, because customs and the flight and all of these things, all the paperwork involved? I mean, it, it's a little bit tricky. We, we've, we've got a system in place now and we, we make it as easy as possible for the adopters. So, one of our rescue dogs, Mary, has just been adopted and she's travelling to the UK on January 15th. I mean, there, there is a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of um, checking vaccine records and microchip certificates and, you know, inspections at Department of Livestock. But we take care of all that anyway. Um, and then you have to find a flight. But it's we are we are pretty fussy with our adopters because obviously if we send a dog to the UK, that dog has no chance of coming back to us. So if it didn't work out for any reason, it would be very upsetting for us to have to find another home for that dog. So we do vet people, you know, very well. We're very strict about our adoption policy, but we have rehomed. We've rehomed about 12 dogs this year um, and we're we're always looking for new homes. So if there are adopters out there that would, you know, like to give a rescued tired dog a home, we'd be very interested to speak to them. Oh, yes. Well, you know, all the links are going to be in the show notes, Mike, for people to contact and actually donate, you know, because it must be, despite Battersea helping you, it must be an ongoing struggle. I mean, 91 dogs, that must cost a huge amount to feed. All right, you might not have heating bills over there. So jealous. But (laughs) (laughs) you will have (laughs) food bills, uh, enrichment toys, all of these things that you need, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, our food bill each month is very high and things like, you know, there is there's a lot of problem here with fleas and ticks, tick-borne diseases. 
So we have to medicate our dogs regularly against fleas and ticks, and that's very expensive as well. Um, you know, the costs, the costs do rack up, of course, um, you know, for, for the day-to-day care of the dogs. Um, we, we do a lot of fundraising online, our social media and our, you know, Facebook and Instagram, we do fundraising there. We also have some uh, donations from private donors. But yeah, we're always, we're always trying to, you know, push the envelope a little bit with the fundraising. And of course, if anyone's able to make a donation, um, we'd be very grateful. Well, yes, I'm sure they, I really hope you will be donating, everyone listening. Um, no, please, you know, please. Please, please. So out of 91 dogs, I mean, do you have a favourite, Mike? Do you have a dog out there that is kind of your dog? Or are they all your dogs? I know they're all your dogs, but has one dog really captured your heart? I mean, I have to be careful because they're probably listening to me. So, um, <laughs> but I do, I have several. Um, so there's Gogo. Uh, Gogo and Didi are brothers and they are, the first dogs that I rescued when I came to Thailand, I rescued them as tiny, tiny little puppies on the side of the road. And they were, you know, four of their litter had been killed already. So I brought them in. So I've raised them from very tiny pups. So those two are favorites. And another one called Mook, who lives up in my house with me. And she was a a pyometra case from these birth control injections. And she was very close to dying. She, you know, she nearly didn't survive. So she's become kind of one of my favorites. And then another dog called Buddy. Um, Buddy was... He was shot by a farmer who was he was killing the farmer's chickens and the farmer shot him and we had to rescue him from from that incident. So, yeah, I mean, I'd probably say those four are probably my favourites. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, I can imagine, you know, it must be so, so hard in a way, you know, particularly if, you know, an operation might not go according to plan and the outcomes and according to plan. It must it must get to you. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we do become very attached to our dogs here, you know, and all of the team, you know, they all love all the dogs. And of course, when we when we adopt dogs, even it's quite sad for us to say goodbye. But of course, we understand they're going on to, to have a home and a family life, which we which we love. But yes, of course, you know, with this many dogs, we do lose some sometimes. Um, we actually lost um, we lost the dog called Hook earlier this year. Um, he was rescued as a little puppy and he'd had his uh, he'd been run over by a motorbike and he'd lost his back foot. So um, he was a kind of a tripod dog. And, you know, it's, it's always very sad when dogs don't survive and they pass away. Um, but on the flip side of that, we have so many dogs to take care of and there's always another rescue coming in. So, you know, we don't have too much time to linger on on feeling very sad about that. But, you know, we, we actually um, we have a little a burial ground for our dogs here and we always put a tree. We bury a little tree when we bury a dog and we've got a little area where all these trees are growing now from our dogs that have passed away. Oh, that's so lovely. That is really so thoughtful, you know, and they stay with us, you know, dogs. I do really believe that, you know, in kind of energetic kind of communication. Um, But is there a sort of type of dog out there, Mike? You know how when I've gone to Greece, well, well, in India as well, you know, the dogs were quite what I would call kind of like pariah dogs like quite yep. old school <laughs> um dog really built to survive with pointy ears and a long nose um long legs <laughs> skinny yeah build. i mean it's, it's, you know it's very similar it's very similar here to what you're describing you know that's they so sometimes people will say that they're a basenji mixed or mm. tie ridgeback mixed so Yes, it, it's exactly that. And there are, you know, the dogs all do look quite similar, apart from their colours and their markings. They do all have quite a distinct look. Um, 
but we do also get we get quite a lot of pedigree breeds coming in as well we've had several husky breeds come in that have been abandoned um or you know uh, have had something so they've been come up become unwell and people can't afford to pay the vet bill so we bring them in but those ones we find it really easy to rehome so we've sent them across to adopters in canada and the us um so yeah the, the pedigree dogs are much easier for us to rehome you see, I'd love, I'd love to live with a, a real street dog, you know, and kind of get to know them and really tap into their natural instincts that they'll be so heightened to, you know. Um, that's something that one day I'd like to do. But um, I'm come, really come and spend some time with us. You'd, you'd well, I'm planning my holiday, <laughs> Mike. You've got no idea. I'm, I'm multitasking. My brain is half thinking. Hmm. <laughs> when is You're it a good halfway here? Halfway here. I mean, when is it a good time of year to visit? <laughs> So, I mean, so the hot season is um, sort of April to, to August, September. So that's not a great time because it's really hot here, you know, and it's a little bit unbearable. And also from the dog's point of view, they're a little bit less active during the really hot season. As you can imagine, you know, apart from the, the mornings and the evenings, they're kind of just laid out during the day because they're trying to escape the heat. Yeah. But actually, November, December, January, February, a really good time to come because it actually cools off a little bit and it's the kind of, that's why it's the peak tourist season on those in these four months. Of course, yeah, similar, I guess, to India. I mean, it's obviously going to be a bit of a similar climate, I would imagine. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Christmas next year, then, Mike. <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you come with? Why don't you come with Steve? Sounds a good idea. I was just going to say, why don't you just reserve me a kennel? I'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> and a bit of bedding and um, that'll do me. <laughs> no, I think I, I think you find it fascinating. People that do come that have a behaviour background, they always find it very interesting to see the, the way the dogs interact with each other because and they, they've, they've, they become packs. You know, we've got distinct packs living on the farm and they, they, they display pack behaviour all the time. So it is very interesting. To, to mm, no, that. I'd love it. But yes, Steve Pitron, we must give a nod to Steve Pitron because that's really how we met. And Steve Pitron of Island Records um, brought the legendary or Susie over. Or Susie, he? yeah. Yeah, who was almost the inspiration in a way, partly for you, but certainly for Steve to be very loyal to Thai dogs. I think he's going to rescue another one from Thailand. We've, we've been speaking about it. I think you're right. <laughs> oh, and he's a great he's such a good egg and such a supporter of everything over the years you know so he's great and what they did for Susie was incredible you know um, Steve and I have been friends for many years but that really touched me that really you know when when Steve and his husband rescued um, Susie and brought her back to the UK even though she was blind you know even though she was old you know most people would have given her a second look you know and what if she, she had five or six great years living with them you know, and that's just, I think it's really inspirational. And I think Steve's a really big advocate for people not overlooking blind dogs, not overlooking disabled dogs, you know, and to, to, to give them a chance. Well, that's it. And, and I love the way that you are helping uh, traffic injuries and helping educate people that tripod dogs can have a, a, a long, happy life, you know, and giving them a second chance rather than just going, oh, you know, euthanize, euthanize. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't, you're probably you're probably aware that euthanasia is a bit of a taboo subject in Thailand. It's not oh, generally practiced. I didn't um, know that. No. Oh. Yeah. So it's because of their uh, the Buddhist culture. They they believe in um, not taking away any other being's life for any reason. So it's when I first came here, you know, we were kind of told, you know, euthanasia is off the table. You can't euthanize dogs at all. 
I mean, that's not strictly true. And of course, in certain situations, we have to euthanize when the dog is very, very sick or, you know, is in pain or there's absolutely no chance of the dog recovering. But we do have to be careful about that. And we have to be careful about how we talk about it in the community. Um, but that's it's, it's a part of the cultural conditions under which we have to work. I absolutely love that because actually what's happening in the UK, because we're generally not Buddhists here, um, is euthanasia is being really promoted as uh, being not a go-to, but promoting it as being a very good death and that you shouldn't consider euthanasia as a failure. There's a lot of kind of promotion amongst the veterinary community about selling the benefits of euthanasia, which I agree in certain situations where there is no hope, sure. But I always believe in hope. And I think that's part of Buddhism, isn't it, really, that there is hope. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, generally, I, I you know, I, I do generally agree with some of the points that they make. And I think it's it's not a bad condition un, under which to have to work. You know, and it makes us it makes us go the extra mile, makes us try that a little bit harder for each dog. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, gosh, I am really excited about Christmas um, 2023, Mike. So, <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> um, this could well be a plan. Look, thank you again for your time today. Um, rest assured, all the links are going to be in the show notes and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you here next year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Gosh, yes, I know. What a wonderful place Jai Dog sounds. I'd love you to come with me when I go over, but you can't because you'll have to have a rabies injection. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. So let's not forget that there are dogs around the globe that need our help. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again to Mike Dow for sparing the time today to join us and all the links about how to donate and about Jai Dog, they're in the show notes. <laughs> Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, yes. Yes, you're right. Please check out our Patreon link as it's a chance for you just to give us a little tip if you like what you heard. But also, why don't you just subscribe for free today? Because that way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.